Welcome to How to Be a Human Being in the World, the podcast that showcases the strength, resilience, and humanity in all of us and provides a space where you can embrace the messy parts of life. We've all got them and unapologetically be more of who you really are. I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Young. I'm a psychiatrist, certified life coach, and I'm also a human, just like you. Pull up a seat as we bear witness to the healing, connection, and inspiration that comes from the stories of our lives. So hello, everyone, and welcome back to How to Be a Human Being in the World. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting. I always call it chatting because really that's what we do here is chat, chatting with a very dear longtime friend of mine. And again, another friend from Duke. It feels like all of the people are from Duke, which is actually not true, but it starts to feel that way (laughs) after a while. And I say the pleasure and privilege of having this conversation with her. Um, Her name is Warkia Duncan. She really needs no introduction, but she is just really an example of strength and resilience. I mean, when I, she, I didn't say this to her in advance. So if you can't see her, but I can. So she, I think she's smiling. I didn't say this to her in advance, but really she's just someone who's willing to kind of put her life out there and let other people see the messy parts and the strength and the resilience and really just, and I know it's not easy all the time, but really is willing to step into it and own it in a way that so many people aren't. And when I think about the journey and the purpose of this podcast really was to help people really embrace the messy parts of their lives because we all have messiness. It's just, we're so busy trying to like hide it. When I look at my house and all the boxes right now, like that is (laughs) an example of trying to hide the messiness and put them, put it somewhere else so that people think that we have perfect lives, but none of us have perfect lives. And I think the more we can kind of embrace the messiness in our lives, the more we can really be our authentic selves. And when you can show up authentically as who you are and be more of who you are, that's when you really are like at that sweet spot. And that's when life becomes so good. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Workia. Today, we are going to be talking about her journey with alopecia, which isn't something that, you know, is like a rare hair disorder, I guess, is what we could call it when people lose their hair and how that's really impacted her in so many ways. So without further ado, I'm turning over to you, Orkia. Thank you so much. First of all, you had me nearly in tears and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm um, excited to speak with you. Uh, the whole idea of being human and the fact that often we try to not be for some strange reason. It's, it's a funny thing to me. So I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you and I weirdly can't wait to talk about my journey with losing all of my hair. Yeah. So let's get to it. Tell us how this all came about. So, um, First, growing up, I had, uh, nowadays they call it 4C hair. I didn't know that's what it was. I just knew that it was super thick and it wasn't something that I was always supposed to be proud of. Um, It should have been straighter for some reason, always tucked in a bun. 
Um, and, and those are the, some of the messages that were given to me. And so for the longest time, my hair was either permed or in braids or with some other chemical in it. And then I believe December 2025, I cut off most of my hair and then it started growing back. And my mom twisted my hair into what I thought were just going to be twists. And they ended up growing into locks. And I absolutely loved them. I had them, I want to say, for a little over a decade. Mm-hmm. And they'd grown all like way past my shoulder. It was like mid-back, super thick. I thought it was beautiful. And then I started noticing that there were parts of my scalp that were super smooth. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what's going on here? (laughs) Um, And what's weird is around about the same time, I had also been diagnosed with uh, fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. And I'd been having pains for years. And I just thought it was either I was working out too much, my weight was going up and down. And I didn't see that there was possibly a connection. But yes, I, I noticed there were some soft spots, but I'm like, it's okay. I have hair everywhere else. And, you know, I'll hide it in different places. And then I want to say like a few months after that, I noticed that full locks were falling out. Wow. And I didn't tell anyone mm-hmm. for a while because I was like, do I have cancer? Like, I, I really thought that's what it was, or there was some other disease. And since I used to be, I'll say used to be a hypocrite where I would make sure everyone else went to the doctor and take care of themselves. I wasn't necessarily doing that. I think that's being human too. I mean, I really like, I know that I have an issue with my ankle and I won't go (laughs) because I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Anyway, And, And that's the thing. It's like, sometimes what we believe is the answer or diagnosis is it's, we imagine worse than what it can actually be, which proves like the, our imaginations are amazing. But yes, I didn't want to go to the doctor for a while, but the locks are falling out. I have to say this because I was talking to my friend over the weekend about this and it's like, yes, our brains are crazy. They will run wild. And so I always tell people like, it's all made up anyway. Like, so why yes. make up the worst case scenario? You can make up the best case scenario because exactly. it's all made up. It's all made up. So just make something up that feels good. Anyway, go exactly. On. Hilarious. So then, uh, when was it? I can't even remember what year. I want to say 2017, 2018. I was like, all right, let's see what would happen if I trim some of the locks. Mm-hmm. And so I trimmed it and I'm like, maybe that's the issue. They're too heavy. But the the thing is, it wasn't everywhere that I was losing hair. It was some in the middle and some around the crown. Like the back was super thick. Like if you imagine what uh, Sherman Hemsley would have looked like with locks, like mm-hmm. that's what it started to feel <laughs> like to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to comb them out. I combed them out and I was like, okay, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I'm just going to have a short fro. It's going to be great. And that's not what happened. As I would trim or do like some retwisting, put all these oils, because it's like these, these websites know what you're looking for. So all of the Mm -hmm. oils and shea butter, this is, and that's, and 
pills and all those stuff started coming. And I was like, okay, let me try anything. And it was like for everything I tried, clumps and clumps just started coming out. And then I remember the final straw, um, I was in the shower washing what was left of my hair. And as I was doing this thing where like using my fingers to go through to loosen whatever coils there may have been, um, as I took my hand away from my scalp, that's all that was left. Like all of my hair was then at the bottom of the shower. Yeah, it like some of it was on the back of my hand. Some of it was like just on the ground um, or in, in the tub. And I just broke down and no one heard me because uh, the shower was on really loud. I'd had music on um, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. And I started going to the dermatologist. Mm-hmm. I got every single shot you could think of in your scalp. Like uh, my dermatologist, wonderful, wonderful woman um, had this thing where it was like she put a buzzer on your scalp so you wouldn't feel the injections, but she would put up to like 50 because there was a hope that there was something that would stimulate what was going on on the inside because it was inflammation on the inside as well as inflammation on the outside. The fibromyalgia was bugging out. And so finally I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm just going to rock with having no hair. I don't like it, but I can't control it. And I have to start believing what I've told so many other people. Um, and you know the song with Indiari, I'm mm-hmm. not my hair. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how the words that come out of your mouth come back to bite you in the butt when you're not actually ready. <laughs> what was it like for you? I mean, the reason why we don't go to the doctor and we make up, you know, is because we're afraid. But what is it like when you're when clumps of hair is coming out? Like, you know, you say it very matter of factly now, but like when you were going through it, what was that like? No, at that time I was, I was a mess. I was a complete mess. I was going to any wig shop possible that looked like it had styles that would complement my face that weren't too big, but weren't too small, kind of would look similar to what I would do with my locks. I was wearing head wraps. But there was so much going on that my scalp started getting inflamed. And it was almost like my body and mind were saying, you are going to live out this truth, whether you want to or not. And you're, you're going to some way, you're going to be okay, but there will be other people that you'll help be okay, even while you're still trying to be fine with it. And so even today, like I, I shave my own head every other day, pretty much. The back can still grow really fully, but the top doesn't. It looks, I used to say it looks like sparse wheat. (laughs) You're just going through a field and you're like, here's some wheat, but then there's none over here. There's no wheat over here though. Yeah. Uh So that's what I've I've been trying out different um, shavers. I'm still upset that they make better one for folks that identify as men. It sucks. But every now and again, I use that and I'll use this like forehead shaver, not like your forehead, but it's like, it has like these four spirals on it and it works Mm -hmm. faster than the other. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've also noticed that when I do it in the shower, it's all, it's meditative 
because I have to focus on what I'm doing, focus on what I'm feeling, focus on what I intend to look like and what I want to exude. It's not so much confidence as much as it's, I'm okay with who I am at this stage. Mm -hmm. That could change, but right now this is who I am and I have to be okay with that. So what, how did you get there? How did you get to the acceptance of this is who I am and I'm okay with that? Am I there? Well, I don't think I'm there that, yet, you know, but I'm, I'm getting really, there. I believe acceptance of anything, you know, that's difficult like this can be on a continuum, right? Like sometimes yeah. you're really accepting of it and other times you aren't. And so mm-hmm. I think it's important to help people understand that. Like yeah. I'm okay with it most of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> sometimes I think not. I think that's what it is. It's like mm-hmm. there are days when like I'll wake up and I'll literally look up the Dora Milaje from, from Wakanda and I'm like okay all of these badass women are bald I don't know why they are maybe it has something to do with friction and they want to be able to get through to the mm-hmm. enemy faster um and then there are other times where I'm like it's literally just hair I can see I can hear I can smell it's not the most important thing about me and Mm -hmm. I get to accentuate my voice more. Mm -hmm. I get to focus on the other parts of Mm -hmm. my body that I didn't like all of the Mm -hmm. time, again, because of those messages you're given, whether it's the fullness of my lips or how brown I am, like all those things I get to pay attention to in different ways now and love on myself that way. And it's it's also faster. I don't I don't have to do my hair anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, if anyone knows something <laughs> about slowness of of how long it takes to do stuff with your hair, it's me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because I'm the opposite. I have like so much hair that sometimes yeah. I don't know what to do with it. I also went to therapy. I yeah. also did therapy. I yes. was going to say, did you have um, to sort of grieve the loss of your hair? Or oh, yeah. Or mourn the loss of it? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then with these, um, like the social media apps that bring back memories from five to 10 years ago and seeing those pictures, um, sometimes it's hard to see that because I'm like, those were days that I was really happy. But then there were times when I was like completely depressed for different reasons and people didn't know about that either and Mm -hmm. so looking at the pictures I I'm seeing where I was and where Mm -hmm. I am now and I'm I'm still getting there but I'm I'm grateful for therapy and being able to say fully what I was afraid of what I was thinking about myself and even bringing back some um like the history of what hair and hairstyles meant to me. And honestly, even what I thought uh, my husband would think about my hair, even though he's literally known me since freshman year at Duke. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, you've seen all of the iterations. Mm -hmm. And then thinking of my daughter and what she would think about her own appearance. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to, and I still have to think about those things and have real conversations, mainly with myself about that what did your hair mean to you because I that you know for women in general like we are there's so much tied up in hair I mean Mm -hmm. we can go on and on we could do episodes not even one on hair just on hair right I mean that wasn't Chris Rock that did the 
movie documentary thing on hair, was it? Yeah, good hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, just there's so there is so much tied up in hair for women, for black women in particular, Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the meaning of it. And, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say like that my hair is really important to me. Like I have been like toying with going gray and that is just like something I can't, I can't wrap my head around. I have tons of hair, but it's like, <laughs> I'm pretty much a hundred percent white at this point, if I let it be. And mm-hmm. I don't, because, you know, there's so much value that we ascribe to women who have hair, who have right. not gray hair. Like there's so much about that, that I would imagine that like really digging into what it meant to you must've been a journey. Mm-hmm. It meant so much. Um, mm-hmm. One that like growing up, my grandmother would do my hair, my mom would do my hair. And just the, I guess it was a ritual of sorts with the washing, the conditioning, the oiling of the scalp, braiding, or going to the salon Mm -hmm. and listening to whatever it is that people were talking about and sharing struggles, talking about what you're doing later. I'm getting my hair done to go here, there, and everywhere. And I was like, what do I do now with Mm -hmm. that time? Even what do I do now with the money that was spent? Was all of that for nothing? Mm -hmm. And how do I, like, what do I do to frame my face as if your face needs a frame? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I never, I didn't wear makeup unless I had like a super formal occasion to go to because I'm like, oh my God, it takes so long to do it. I don't know how to do my eyebrows. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And so I was like, well, I have all this hair. I don't need makeup. And then when I started losing my hair, I was like, are people going to think I'm not a woman suddenly? Because like, I'm, I, I don't have big boobs yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I have to do? Bigger earrings, more makeup. And even with that, does makeup it, it's it's so fun. It's it's weird you saying that because saying it out loud, I tied hair and even makeup with femininity. Yeah, when neither is connected to femininity. Well, and I'm like, I'm here still, like several sentences back, really processing the power of what you just said. I was, I'm going to get, I'm not going to say it verbatim, but that you were worried that you would no longer be seen as a woman. Like mm-hmm. what? I mean, right. just think about how powerful that statement is, is this idea that, is. that you are a woman and you identify as a woman and I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to go there, but like you identify as a woman, you are a right. woman. This idea that like something could take that away, like losing your hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. And that there would be an assumption because of how my body looks. And that's another thing. Oh my, like you're, this is why you do what you do (laughs) because you're amazing at it. But how much I was able to hide because of my hair, Mm -hmm. not only hide to other people, like insecurities that I had and then not address it. And so there every now and again, there's a part of me that's like, if this had never happened, I'd still be lying to myself about so many aspects of what I believe about femininity, about beauty, about body shape, body size. Um, and 
it's it's been telling about what I believed versus what I would say and what I wanted to believe. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted badly to believe that you are who you say you are. You're beautiful no matter what. And I could see it in other people. I couldn't see it in myself. And that's just because you, like, like everyone else, were, you know, raised in this society where we do sort of connect certain things with beauty all the time. And so we live in this world and we can't not hear it or see it or whatever. We get all the same messages that everybody else does. And so, you know, it's, it's like the reason why everybody has bias or, you know, racial bias or whatever. It's because we all see the Mm -hmm. same thing and, you know, really kind of peeling that back. And so as with any, any belief, like a lot of the times we don't even question if it's something we want to believe, if it's true or not, where it came from. So many of the beliefs we have came from like random places or one thing that your parents said a long time ago, but we never question it because, you know, we just have carried it with us our whole lives. And so what you're talking Mm -hmm. about is like unlearning everything that you've learned and like looking at that and realizing, wow, like I learned all this stuff that I don't even really buy into. And not only that, like, what did I learn and what did I inadvertently teach Mm -hmm. other people that now they have to unlearn? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so I think that's part of why when I do talk about this, it's like, if there was damage Mm -hmm. that I did to other people because of what I said, because of um, how I was, I'm hoping that they'll see or hear that evolution does take place. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is painful, but um, whatever is necessary to make it better, Mm -hmm. that's what this is about. And that we're all just doing the best that we can, right? I mean, I think it's so common to, you know, especially when we think about our parents to kind of look back at like all the things that they did wrong and feel angry at them. And I think it's really just a reminder Mm. that even them, I mean, some of them, maybe not, but in a lot of cases, we're just doing the best they could with what they had, what they know, you know, knew then. And, and it's that power of, of grace and forgiveness um, of ourselves and people around us and really understanding that like, you know, people do sort of learn and grow and evolve over time. So I want to spend a minute thinking about the concept of femininity and what Mm -hmm. it means to you and how you're starting to redefine that for your life, because it isn't your hair anymore. So, so what is it? Yeah. Cause this is like, I mean, this is this topic that came up, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot, (laughs) but it came up in, um, I think about it a lot because I do feel like everybody, I mean, we ascribe femininity to women. But I do believe all people have, you know, feminine and masculine mm-hmm. attributes or whatever. And I think that you can sort of spend time in feminine and masculine energy, depending on like where you are in right. your life. And that there is a balance that is not just solely gendered in terms of when you think about it. So this idea that like hair and makeup and whatever is feminine, and maybe it is, it's it's sort of like um what's the word I I think. I think it's really sort of watering down what femininity really is. You know, it's just a, just an aspect. Right. Yeah. 
when I used to think of femininity, it had everything to do with um, the sugar and spice mm-hmm. and everything nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to be dainty. No, don't even get me started. I, I get so annoyed because girls are always taught to be nice. And if we do these things, we're not nice. Boys are never taught to be nice. I mean, they are taught to do, you know, be kind or whatever, but like, it's different, different. Right. And that's, that's the thing that I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking of the idea of the sacred feminine Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with life. It has to do with power. Um, because like back in the day before anyone understood anything, there was like the cult of the goddess because the only thing that people saw in nature that created happened to be either mammals with a uterus or plants and stuff like that. And so I started thinking of femininity instead of with hair and makeup and heels and all of that. Um, It had to do with the power, like what's in you that continues to give life, even when death or things that seem like it's final are in front of you. What allows you to tap into creation um, and reimagining and redefining when there are messages that you're consistently receiving saying, this is what you should sound like. This is what you should look like. And if you don't, you should at least aspire to it. Mm -hmm. And then when you're deciding, yeah, that's not what I'm going to do. Like to me, that is the power of femininity. It's, it's not in those outward aesthetics that change depending on what someone in an advertisement agency decides but it's who you say you're going to be at this specific time Mm -hmm. and in this specific place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that does go to what you said about the idea of feminine energy, masculine energy, and it not necessarily being gendered in the way that we're socialized to Mm -hmm. think about genders, recognizing like all of that mess is a construct in the first place. Um, But just looking at what can we do, who can we be, right at the time that we need it. And sometimes it is breaking down certain barriers. Other times it's erecting something different uh, so that you can be. Well, and I think that, you know, and I think this comes up a lot, you know, this idea of femininity and, and masculinity comes up a lot for women. And I think for black women in particular, like in the workplace, you know, it's this idea of not allowing any bit of vulnerability and not, you know, really being in your masculine energy and then trying to like come home or date or find a partner when, you know, if you are heterosexual, let's say that and put it out there. Um, And maybe even if you're not, but like, if you are trying to attract some masculine energy into your life in that way, like it can be really challenging for, for people and really what we associate with feminine and masculine is so complicated. And I like this idea of creation. And I also think about it as like being able to receive and, you know, um, that kind of stuff, letting and letting people help you, letting people love you, letting people, you know, receiving from people. I think of being feminine. And and so often when we're in our masculines, like we're going to do, we're going to be take charge. We're going to 
accomplish this thing and do it ourselves. But I think a lot of that is this ability to receive from other people. And that can be really hard. What if it's also like the idea that when you're thinking about um, partnering with someone, imagine how freeing it is when you aren't so focused on, I have to look this Mm -hmm. way, or I have to either be docile, or I have to be strong, instead of saying, there are times when we are both at the very same time, and that is okay. And if we all tapped into the fact that that's who we are, Mm -hmm. we would have more gentle, more um, loving and affirming relationships, not only with other people, but with ourselves, like stop fighting, like the whole being human, stop fighting being human, is human. It's not working. It's not working, right? Because some some aspect of your life suffers typically when you're too much in one mm-hmm. energy or the other. We're getting like really woo exactly. and meta, but like I think, <laughs> I think it's true. I think it's true that like there are things that suffer when you can't have that balance between like being the person who goes out and gets and whatever and also then receiving from uh, allowing yourself the vulnerability of receiving. And it's not even vulnerability because I think that can be seen as a negative thing for people or an unsafe thing, but really like being able to receive from other people and and connect with them Mm -hmm. is really um, important. And yeah, yeah, I mean, and I don't think this conversation would be complete if we didn't think about beauty, right? And like what it's thought Mm -hmm. of as being beautiful and how that has been for you. I mean, it's like, it's so funny to me. Cause like, I, I can't, I've known you for what, like 25 years or something, but I can't even, yeah. I can't even remember what you look like with hair, like in my mind. And you've only had this for how long, like five years or like, yep. Yeah, about five years. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, so I don't even remember, like, this is how you look <laughs> to me in my head when I think about you. So like, how does that work for you like how did you decouple like the idea of like hair and beauty if you did maybe you didn't um, have I that journey talk- but I think you did <laughs> and I'm I'm still in it where there are days I'll I literally have to <laughs> look in the mirror after I wash my face and I'm putting the moisturizer and I'm like you're beautiful you're beautiful or I do this thing you look cute today mm-hmm. and it's not it's not always that I feel mm-hmm. it but I do know that words have power. Mm -hmm. And when I'm saying it to myself, I then decide sometimes, okay, let me focus on my eyes. I really like my eyes. So I'm going to address my eyes in that way. Or I really like my nose. Or let's say I was able to make my eyebrows look the way I want them to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll do something like that. But I've, I've told myself, when I had a head wrap on, my hair wasn't showing and I felt really happy with that. This is just a different type yeah. of head wrap. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's perfectly okay. Yeah. And then I had to look at who I was seeing as pretty and who I didn't. And for the longest time, anyone that didn't look like me, whether it was someone with locks or someone with um like my shade of brown. Um, I thought them as beautiful. And it took a while for me to see that there was some, I guess, self-hate that was 
that had really, really been strongly internalized mm-hmm. till I didn't recognize that I didn't see beauty in me. Mm-hmm. And so therapy again and looking at women where I'm like, oh my gosh, you are absolutely gorgeous and they're bald also. Yeah. Um and I, yeah, that's, that's helped a lot. Yeah. And I think it is like, it's like, as with anything else, we have these beliefs that we've carried in our lives that we don't examine whether they're serving us or they're productive or whatever you want to yeah. say about it. And, you know, I, I know now that you can think anything else. Like we decide in our head what's beautiful or not. It's not, there's no like, definition and it's like this is beautiful and this isn't it's just a thought that we Mm -hmm. have about beauty and so as with anything else it's just repetition just telling yourself over and over again I look beautiful I look beautiful and then eventually that becomes a more automatic way of thinking about yourself in your life so I think that is a lot of that is just relearning about what is beautiful and deciding that there there's a whole range of things that are beautiful and not just that I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and you know, as you know, we talked about this before we started recording, like one of my current interests is this idea that in midlife, women kind of lose this sense of themselves as women and not all women, but some women and feeling feminine and sexy and, and that kind of stuff. Did this impact you at a time when that was already something that was happening for you oh my god it was horrible like Mm -hmm. to the point where and sometimes I still go through this where a certain time of the day when I get home from work and I know that the kids have been fed the dog has been cuddled I will just go run away in the room And I will hide under the covers. And when I say hide, the only thing that's visible is my nose so that I can breathe because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to be around anyone. I don't want to be hugged. I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be looked at because like, what are they thinking when they see me? And maybe I do want to go out on a date, but if I do that, I have to fix up myself in different ways. And if I do fix up myself, am I still going to feel pretty or look pretty or feel sexy? And it's, it's so weird. And I don't know if, if it's the combination of now being 46 and the pandemic where I wasn't wearing heels like I used to, because I'm like, I'm not going to church all the time. I'm not going out all the time. And so the idea of what it's like sexiness was something I put on. It wasn't who I was. And so now it's more that I'm learning. It can be who you are. And if you happen to put on something that makes you feel more that, that's cool. But to have to put it on and then take it off is is a disservice to yourself because it does give power to commodifying who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to like, see yourself as sexy. I think that's the other thing. I mean, that's so, I think I've said this on other podcasts. I think there's this, this idea that like women, especially as moms should just be moms and we shouldn't, Mm. we shouldn't be sexy and we shouldn't want, you know, people to think that way of us or whatever. And so I think this idea that like, you can just 
be sexy. And right. that, that's not right. a bad thing. It's okay. I think is really, really like a big thing. So, and I wonder why, like, you're not supposed to be like, why does it have to be a fight between a post that you have, whether it's mom, wife, worker, whatever, mm-hmm. and being sexy? And is that something that is only expected of women? Yes. I was like, I'm sure it was a way to control women. Mm-hmm. And probably that. You know, there was a time when men didn't want their wives to be seen as desirable by other men. I'm sure that's probably what that how that all arose. And so in order to do that, it's it's really creating this idea that like once you're married and have kids, that you shouldn't be sexy because then you might somebody else might want you. (laughs) Which is insane because mm -hmm. like when before when you were talking about like grays and stuff. I'm like, all the time we see these things where they're like, look at these hot older men and they're all gray. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want one where we see the same for women. Because yeah. like when I see women who are fully gray, I'm like, you look like Storm and you're out here just doing it, you know? Yeah. I think it's really like embracing whatever it is that you want to embrace and mm-hmm. you know, feeling comfortable with who you are. And, you know, I do think there is kind of this conflict between like, um, you know, men wanting their wives to look sexy for them, but like, mm-hmm. not, you know, not wanting them to get any attention from anybody else, which I get. I totally get. But I understand that. But what that says is that women don't have the capacity to just like turn down attention from other people and be dedicated. Mm-hmm. like that they don't have enough wherewithal to be able to like refuse or whatever the you know attention right right so we i mean we could go on and on like as the patriarchy sort of but did i tell you that's how i ended up at duke in the first place no so duke was not my original choice it was my mom's Mm -hmm. choice for me because Mm -hmm. uh my play brother went there and she was like okay if you go there he'll be able to ensure that you stay i swear to you clean mm-hmm. and that was to ensure that I was as chaste as possible I'm like but who was doing that for him did y'all care no no I'm sure they didn't I don't even know your At family I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my I mean, god so there's so much here but I think what we're hearing from you is that you know it is possible to start to see yourself in different ways and to redefine you know what it means to you to be beautiful and sexy and feminine like that these are things that are possible for anybody it doesn't matter if you have hair you don't have hair or whatever it is that you actually are the one who gets to see yourself in these ways and once you see yourself in these ways other people will follow suit i think that that's always true you know yes. we set the tone for like how people view us and when we believe that we are a certain way other people start to believe that and really understand that it's right people are always like i'll start dating when i lose like 50 pounds or whatever and i'm like you don't realize there's plenty of overweight people out there who are in relationships and dating and meeting people all the time like this really isn't about because they're like it'll be easier and i'm like maybe you're not dating now you you probably weren't dating when 50 pounds ago i don't know but like 
Right. It's really about how you see yourself. Like if you see yourself as dateable and sexy and whatever, like other people will see that too. And so. that's the thing. I think it's, it's you choosing you. That's, that's what you have to continue to do. And then there comes a time where it doesn't, it starts to not matter to you Mm -hmm. about what other people are saying. And when that happens, I think that's when the door opens um, for what you want to attract you as well. I love it. I love it. You choosing you. Maybe that's what we should call this episode. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, well, what? Final words. I mean, this is this was like such a fun conversation. I I find some of these like topics to be well, all of them to be really interesting, and you know, things that people don't pick apart so much. But I I think more people are starting to think about these things and like, how do we make changes to the way we think about lots of of um, our societal constructs? Um, But what would you want to say? Like, what final words would you want to leave? the listeners with as we kind of close this out? I'd say be gentle with yourself Mm -hmm. and recognize that there's always room for growth and your, your words will come back. (laughs) So be ready. (laughs) Right. And you're not your hair. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yes. All right. Well, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for talking to us and sharing your journey with everyone. Who Thank you for having me. You are so wonderful. You're a great host. Oh, I really appreciate that. Okay. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'll see you next time. Are you ready to create the life you really want instead of the life you think you should want? Or maybe you just want to start having more fun. Either way, I can help. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook at drkathleenyoung.coaching. That's drkathleenyoung with a K dot coaching, where you can learn how to sign up for a free consultation. We can talk about the life you want to create and see if one-on-one life coaching is right for you. Midlife doesn't have to be a crisis. It's never too late to create the rest of your story. Thanks for listening to this episode and see you next time.